What's happening? Crazy times. Um, this episode is Derek Cullen. Derek is such a legend, man. And um, I recorded this like last week, or but all this mad stuff that's been going on obviously has uh, <laughs> taken over everyone's lives. So yeah, at least we can still stay in contact, and that's where this social media and all of our modern stuff that that um, our communications and having phones and things like that um, become really handy so keep in touch with people and it's just crazy it's un- unprecedented stuff but um, maybe this gives us all a moment to stop and pause and think about you know who matters to us what matters to us and um, personally I think we're going to see a lot of change come out of this as we realize how fragile the systems that we live in are um, and even our own our own setups at home and how close to the wire we are all the time in terms of what we have on hand and um, how we're living you know and maybe this will help us to change some things about how we're operating um, and hopefully all for the better in the long run so enjoy the episode stay safe and uh, yeah just look out for each other and do the best that you can do and keep supporting each other and keep pushing forward so enjoy this one Derek is a hero um, let me know if you enjoy it obviously sharing is greatly um, greatly encouraged and appreciate it so much love to everybody stay strong Project, project. <laughs> so yeah, it's great to have you. Uh, thank you for coming in. And like the whole reason behind me doing this is really to get to talk to cool people that are doing cool stuff, and you are doing cool stuff. I was going to ask, what am I doing? <laughs> but that, no, thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, great so, to hear that. Like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, right? So you've walked the Pacific Crest Trail, yeah, which is one of the longest um, hiking trails in the world. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that runs from, is that the one that runs from the bottom up to the top? Yeah, it starts at the Mexico border and it finishes at the Canadian border. So it runs the whole way, uh, depending on what end you start. But I started south to north, Nice. the whole way through the the US. So through all these different mountain ranges and deserts. And I think it's around, it's over four and a half thousand kilometers. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. How long does that take you? Five months. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. We'll talk more <laughs> about that. So you've done that. You've cycled across Africa. Yeah, Cape Town to Cairo. Cairo. Yeah, Cape Town to Cairo. Incredible. Also, right. I, I was watching your stuff on that on uh, 
your videos camping yeah. out with, with lions and, and giraffes and stuff. Um, and you walked around Ireland. Yeah, last Which year. is actually a fucking pretty long walk. It ended up being a like, long walk. Yeah, I was yeah. meant to just walk across. Maybe you don't know. To the know Blaskets. That. Yeah, you were going from Dublin to the Blasco Islands. Yeah, that, oh, you do yeah. know that. Good. Yeah. Most people don't realise yeah. that. No, no, I'm doing research, mate. I've been following yeah. you for a while. <laughs> so by the time I got to, I don't know where exactly, but maybe over halfway, mm. I kind of realised, I, I don't want to stop walking. This is great. This is amazing. Yeah. So I kept walking and ended up going the whole way around. So yeah, that nice. was a great trip. Yeah, whopper. <laughs> Incredible. So, um, what the fuck inspires you to do this type of stuff? And, like, this is a, we talked about this before, so this is a, a more a journey of self development or, or as equally a journey of self development as it is physical hardship. Would that be right? Uh, somewhat. I think it's important for me to remember, like, it's what motivates me to take trips now mm. or to go outdoors is totally different than when I started doing this. Right. Even though it was only, say, six years ago and I, my first trip was to cycle across Africa. Yeah. So what motivated me back then would be, let's say, deficiency. So I thought that there was something wrong with me, mm. thought there was something wrong with my life. Uh, my parents had passed away and I became really self-destructive. I started drinking excessively and all these other things. So because of that deficiency, I, <laughs> I just basically woke up one day and said, right, I can't go on like this. I'm physically and mentally exhausted and I'm also not interested in anything in life right yeah. now, so I gotta do something about this or it's not gonna end well. So because of that deficiency, I was motivated to go and take a trip or to challenge myself. Um, I'd never cycled anywhere before or taken a trip like that either. So that was kind of just, I didn't know what else to do. That was really <laughs> the only way I could explain it. Yeah. So you didn't, uh, uh, you didn't pick a, a, a big, big one for the first one, no? Right. So, <laughs> start small. My way of thinking, because uh, it is bizarre, right? Very extreme. You don't need to fly to Cape Town to fix your problems. But my way of looking at that was that if I started at my front door in Dublin, I'd just turn around and go home the next day. Mm. Whereas if I flew to Cape Town and started there, <laughs> I might as well just keep going because yeah. it's too far from home. So. That's interesting. There's a military strategy called uh, Born the Ships. Yeah. And it's like... Uh, when people when you when you land troops and like it's against overwhelming odds you fucking take away their method of extraction you know and that right. makes them fight harder you know so you know the story of xenophon like when they were coming back across ancient greece like they were <clears throat> they were sent into persia as mercenaries and then as they were coming back they got betrayed and they basically like they had to make there was no way home for them other than to make it was it all through, or nothing to fight through yeah 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 and the same is true of cortez what actually burned the, burned the ships burned the ships so cortez actually did that in spain when they landed in spain there was only 500 of them or less and uh, the locals were stoning them actually like stoning them like fucking them up right and uh they wanted to turn around and go home with the troops and he went out in the middle of the night and fucking actually burned, burned the, the ships, ships and so like, that's a true story we're not going anywhere now yeah and yeah. the army used that as part of training now well no it's just a, it's it's a strategy like if you're thinking about like military strategy yeah uh, the idea of like having no extraction is known to make people fight harder you know yeah i, mean? I can but, see yeah, that yeah yeah but it's funny so, you say that because i uh i got a car this weekend but i didn't have a car up until this weekend mm. And I got my brother to drop me up to Sally Gap in the Wicklow Mountains. Because nice. I knew that if he dropped me off there, I'd have to walk all the way home. Because <laughs> I couldn't, I was procrastinating all yeah. day. Will I, won't I go out and do a walk? Yeah. So I said to him, please drop me into the middle of the mountains. And that way I had to walk wow. all the way home. But that's, again, yeah. burn the ships, right? Totally. I did a, a little vision quest uh, just before Christmas. I was just like 24 hours 
up the hills fasted like on my own. Yeah. I know that's nothing to you because you've been out for months on end on your own. But, um, relative, yeah. The same thing. I got it was the first time I actually had no way of getting out, so I got a friend to drop me up and I got a friend to pick me up the next day. And like the minute that car drives off, you're just like, oh, <laughs> that feels different now because you know, no matter what happens during the night, you can always like creep back to the car or right. drive home. Yeah. You know, like, like no matter what time it is, if it's that bad, but when you're when you've no way out. A, well, I'm not surprised the army use it in that sense because mm. that's something I've learned from taking the trips. And I'll actually I'll loop back to the Africa one yeah, now yeah. with this is that that's what one of the very first things I realised on that Africa trip was that say when I got to the Namib desert, mm. it's the oldest driest desert in the world, right? So you're, once you go into that, yeah. that's it, you're in there, and nobody's going to help you. And that was a very stark yeah. realization for someone like me was that yeah. okay, no matter how much crying you do, because I cried a lot up until that. No matter who you complain about or what you complain to, no one's going to help you out with the situation yeah. except you. So wow. you better get on with it. And that, was my, and that was something I took with me the whole way through that trip. Mm. And then obviously it becomes part of your habit and your personality trip, trait mm. going into future trips. But it was very important to learn that. And I guess that's why I do these things. Incredible, like I take this, yeah. Now I have a, a name for it, Burn the Ships. <laughs> yeah. So. Like so good for your self-confidence, you think, to go to be able to rely on yourself like that because I'm sure you got yeah. into situations where you were like fuck oh yeah you, you know you you managed to get through it like you used your wits and your will or whatever to somehow get through it yeah and I think there's there's a fine line there too isn't there between when you're safe and when you're not you mm. know when you're out of your depth you know it's a, I'm I'm someone that encourages people to go out there and do things without the experience but you also have to be careful of that in the outdoors definitely. sometimes you know so definitely yeah I, I've I'd like to think of, I've learned from that through experience, but yeah. I still have to be careful what I do or what I don't do. <laughs> so you just upped sticks and said, fuck this. Like, what made you pick Africa? Like, were you, did, did I read you were working in Africa as a guide? Uh, yeah, I've done yeah. that since. So oh, Okay, that was afterwards, yeah, right? But okay, been, yeah, but I travelled there before as well. Right. So I was just, I was just very interested in Africa. Um, and then I, I thought to myself, if I do a bike trip... Yeah in say America or Europe, I wouldn't have been as scared about yeah. it. So I wouldn't have thought it as challenging. And I felt I needed to take big action, you know, because mm. I'm always chastising myself. <laughs> so that's why I picked Africa. I just thought that scared yeah. the hell out of me, the thought of doing that. Wow, and I like thought it. that would that would hopefully change the way mm. my life was. So getting back to your question as well, you asked what motivated me. Mm. So it was deficiency. It was because I wanted to fix all these things that were wrong in my life and wrong about me. Mm. Um, whereas nowadays, all of that's been flipped. I've kind of, I've almost ra run out of problems to address, you know? Yeah, yeah. So now I do it for the pure enjoyment, for the, the sake mm. of getting out there. It's because why not? You shouldn't need a, an excuse to go and have an adventure. It's fun. Totally. You know, and that's the way it should be. You know, mm. ideally, you know, you won't have all these problems that you need to fix outdoors, you know? Mm. And it should just become about that. Um, I love it. would be more enjoyable. More yeah. Than yeah, totally. And I love that idea of adventure, like, because how much is that lacking now? Like, like adventure was built into our lives, you know, as part for, yeah. for millions of years. Like, mm. adventure was just part of everyday life, you know? Life wasn't adventure because you woke up in the morning. and like, Well, I, I would define adventure as like, there may be being a possibility of debt. <laughs> and so, like, like, for it to be true adventure, you know, it has like, to be, well, maybe not debt, but there has to be an element of the unknown. Mm -hmm. Um and for you to feel like, you know, I don't know what's coming. Do you not you think know? that exists? Like with what you're saying there, that mm. trail of thought suggests that it has to be something 
outdoorsy or in the wilderness or extreme like adrenaline rush type adventure. But um, do you not think that type of feeling exists in everyday life? I think maybe for some people, but the, like did that exist for you before you started doing this stuff? Or no. is that is that where your deficiency was? This is what, kind of like I'm I'm getting that like are we is there a deficiency in in like adventure and curiosity and right that type of thing in our lives is that where we feel because i felt the way you described like i have felt yeah that, like, like what's wrong with me like my life is lacking something i'm lacking yeah. something you know i've felt like that in the past and like I, I went on a different journey and uh you know but it was i suppose maybe it's it's a attitude of going towards your fear because you said mm-hmm. africa scared the shit out of me so i went there right like, that's not a, that's not a, like what you'd consider a normal attitude like in today's society of whoa that scares the shit out of you i'm going to do that right you know and like i feel like i maybe i'm like that a little bit and that i enjoy doing stuff that scares me do you mm-hmm. know what i mean like and i enjoy riding that line but if right. I, like, we miss that now like if you're on the hamster wheel every day and you're just grinding, you go to the pub at the weekend and there's something lacking and you don't know what it is. Is yeah. it? Is it like going towards that? You see, I, 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 I totally get what you're saying here and what you're asking because I still feel that way about my life now. I'm always thinking to myself, oh, it's lacking. Yeah. But that's my attitude towards life in general. I'm yeah. always trying to push myself and as I said, chastise myself, which is not necessarily a good thing. But you're right, like before I started taking these trips, there was something very lacking in my life because I wasn't doing very much. I was just mm. going to work every day and then going to the pub on the weekends. I might have played a bit of football in between. But in general, I was just going through the motions. There was nothing very interesting or different happening every day. And I think when you live that way, mm. you know, days like that in concession for years, you know, eventually you'll get to the point where you think to yourself, what's all this about? Like, surely life is meant to be more interesting than mm. this. And that, that, I think, really comes back to what I'm doing now. So I've been taking all these big trips around the world. And I did associate for a long time the word adventure with going to Africa, yeah. going to dangerous places, the big mountain scenery. And it was always, for example, very far away from Ireland. Mm. Whereas now, after doing all these trips for so long, I come back here to Ireland. I do this walk around Ireland last year, for example. Yeah. And I say to myself, this actually same feeling of excitement and adventure, this exists on my doorstep. It, it doesn't, it's not necessarily abroad. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. It's just for the fact that it's different what I'm doing. Yeah. And because I was experiencing that last year, you know, walking to my local parks or the yeah. mountains here, because I was getting that feeling, I started to ask myself, can I find this same feeling of adventure in my everyday life? So mm-hmm. say when I'm working nine to five, maybe I can go and take a course in the evenings, whatever yeah, it might be, yeah, yeah, yeah. and get that same feeling. So that's what I'm kind of exploring at the moment. Yeah. And at the, and I'm getting a hunch that that's the case, that mm. adventure isn't about just going outdoors. Yeah. It's a mindset, and it's about going and doing something different, something that scares you. Totally. And my big one this year is public speaking. Yeah. So I'm terrified yeah. by the thought of going out and becoming a public speaker, but I'm pushing myself into that, and that feels like an adventure. I love it. You know, yeah, so I yeah. do think that's why I was asking you. Mm. Do you think that you know it's maybe a flawed way of thinking? Is that for yeah. to have an adventure, you have to go somewhere or have a lot of money or to have lots of experience? I, I don't really think that's true. Yeah, no, I don't think that either. Like I, I didn't. That's not. Um, 
that's not kind of what I was I was getting at mm. because I like I've recently I've seen you uh, do these like micro adventures right you know I've, you know Alistair Humphreys Al I Humphreys. do yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 so I follow his stuff as well and I, just, I love that concept of like you don't have to be able to go to you know Canada or Africa or it's just about getting up off your arse and going and doing something you know whether it's right. a local hill or you know going for a hike like it's I think maybe the adventure part of it is in pushing your own boundaries a little bit in whatever it is. Do right. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. least that's where the adventure lies in that it's something that feels like fresh and or new to you or... Totally relate you know? to that. Yeah. yeah. And I think it also points out that how often, if people are honest, how often do they really go and do something yeah. that's different than say the day before or the week before? Because I know I don't. Yeah. I'm, I'm really having to push myself to go and do things that are different now, you know? And it's so easy to get caught up in just like the same stuff all the time, every day. Yeah. And like this year, I'm trying to become more and more aware of this, that the more you do the same thing every day and don't have like things to break it up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like actually planning out your year and saying, I want to have these little things during the year that it's not just like when you look back on the year, it's just zoom, you know, 300 days that were all the same. And like, it feels like the year just disappeared. If you yeah. break up your year with little trips or little micro adventures or little things like that yeah. that you have to look forward to and you also have to look back on in fondness and also to mark the passing of time that your time won't seem to go so fast but it's because you're creating experiences right you know unique yeah. experiences yeah so that's something I'm trying to, to do this year you know is to have things like planned out in advance and have little books. yeah it's good and yeah. you have to do that yeah. right you yeah. have to plan it you have to actually Plan yeah. it and put it in. Put, you do. You know, take action. Like everything has to go into your calendar now. Like even like I just find I don't know whether it's because I'm older. Yeah. Or just because I'm busier or whatever. Like if if things aren't like put into the calendar in advance, they tend not to happen. Do you know what I mean? I think that's so, great advice yeah. to give someone actually because yeah. setting a date that puts you know pressure on yourself. There's mm. a, a sense of accountability there. Totally. And what I what I do is pretty much along the same lines. I go and tell somebody. Or because I'm always talking about myself, I'll put it on social media, say I'm going to do something. And that way I'm like, right, now yeah. you have to do it. Deal. But well, I'll actually do it. Social media you know? the same. It's like, yeah. oh, that's what I see that as a positive side of social media is that you right. can use it as a way to like, yeah, to be accountable for your life, for the things that you say you're going to do. Look, I just did 30 days of meditation and I was posting up on Instagram, you know, every couple yeah. of days, like day, whatever, day, whatever. And like, it's not even for other people. It's just... The whole said I'm going to do it, and yeah. now I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just putting. It's it. not so much of day, you know. It's like the I'll know. Yeah, yeah, or the, <laughs> yeah. like it's like weirdly you feel answerable to somebody, even though it's just like a digital fucking device. You know yeah. what I mean? It's it's uh, yeah, it's weird, but that works for me in a lot of it's ways. It's a big like, thing that yeah. accountability in general. Yeah. You know, that's a really good way mm. of not just pushing someone into into you know they'll have to want to do it in the first place, but yeah. it's a really good way of making it happen. Mm. Yeah, being self-accountable, that's a little bit harder. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah. So little tools like that are handy. But people say social media is all negative, do you know what I mean? And like, yeah. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think there's lots of positives to it. It's just the technology that we're still learning to use. Yeah. You know, and probably down the line we'll understand like the dangers of spending too much time on it and all of that stuff. And people will be able to moderate 
yeah. themselves. There's definitely know? things about, because I, I, I mean, I use social media all the time, yeah. but there's definitely things about it that are not great that we all know about. Mm. But if, you, if you're able to manage how you use it, I definitely believe it's a good thing. It definitely mm. makes me feel more connected to people, helps me keep in touch with them. Yeah. And it's a good way of sharing, not just what you're doing, but what other people are doing. So all of yeah. those, I don't see how you can see that in a negative light. The thing that gets people down is when um, they feel jealous about what someone else is doing. That kind of suggests their main, maybe not everything's not great in their life. Yeah. You know what I mean? So totally. it can be seen differently by different people. Yeah. So um, And look, comparison maybe isn't always a bad thing either because people say, oh, you know, you're comparing yourself against people with perfect bodies and this and that. But then yeah. maybe some people are comparing themselves against what you're doing. Do you know what I mean? They're saying, mm. you know what, I need to get out a little bit more or I need to you know, right. do do something a little bit different, you know? And that's yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. No, definitely not. You know, because it's not a, like a a purely aesthetic thing or whatever, like it's not a hollow goal. It's it's something that will enrich their lives if they do do it. So right. I find like inspiring stuff like that, like you or Al Humphreys and stuff, that makes me want to get up off my arse and go and do something. Yeah, you know what same. I mean? And I, I watch Al as well. Yeah. So that it's exactly, that's the sort of yeah. stuff that probably motivate me to do this type of thing mm. in the beginning, yeah. So it's like anything in life. It's what way you direct your energy on social media. Right. Because whatever you're directing your energy towards is what you're going to be consuming on there, you know? Right. So if all you're looking at is fitness accounts and looking uh, booty building or whatever it may be, you know? It's <laughs> yeah. like that's going to shape what, what you're taking in. So, yeah. Yeah. Tell me about Africa. On fa- You know what? Like Africa has always been a fucking just fascinating and scary place for me. Like. Mm. Fucking, I remember lads in the army going off to uh, Liberia. And probably Chad. They and Chad, there too, yeah. 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 And yeah. Like going back with parasites and like yeah. all types of mad shit like uh, Giardia and yeah. like, yeah, but mad stories from, from Africa. So yeah, it's, I'm fascinated to hear about it from uh, from the perspective of like seeing the whole country pretty much. Like it's right. Such a, yeah. Well, countries, yeah. I think, I think I was in 15 different countries there. Um, but mostly in East Africa and Southern Africa, but mm. then also up Ethiopia, Sudan, and Egypt. But here, look, Africa is by far the most interesting place I've ever travelled. That's yeah. why I spent five years there altogether. Amazing. But uh, there's not any one thing you can talk about. Something that really stands out to people is the animals, the wildlife. Mm. When you go into those wildlife areas, those corridors, I get a big kick out of camping in there. Because yeah. that, that, that really drives home. It's one of the only times you'll ever feel a proper primal fear yeah. you know where you're sleeping in a tent and might be a lion outside mm. or whatever it might be and you you, <laughs> you realize that this is a different type of fear this is now yeah. you know real it's not just in the head because i know yeah. it's out there so that that really adds a big layer of excitement to a trip when you go on safari for example and mm. um, but there's so many different sites with like meeting all the locals there the tribes the people there and the way of life is primitive yeah you know it's going back to the stuff you talk about mm. all the time it's going back to the beginning of time mm. a lot of people there still live like that Amazing. it hasn't changed that much yeah so to not only see that but to go in and meet those people mm. and see that way of life that is really really interesting yeah. and it's spectacular like big big scenery big landscapes big mountains it has everything that you, you could want or that you tend to see in say south america or mm. other parts of the world in, in that sense too so there's so much uh to the continent there's so many reasons to go there you know yeah. so I, i've traveled a lot there i cycled from top to bottom on my bike as well 
for that reason and I definitely go back it's somewhere I'd Great. recommend everyone goes and really visits at some point 100% yeah because yeah. I have the I'd say probably a lot of Westerners have this as well this idea of like fear about yeah Africa. the danger and yeah. yeah not even like the, the animals you know what I mean just like yeah war-torn countries disease yeah. like all of that stuff like that's kind of when I think of Africa I just yeah that's what that's what comes up for me do you know what I mean right which I know, I like, is probably not true. Or is like, yeah, well, it's not that there's no... The everyone knows there's war-torn countries yeah. and there's places. Like, I wouldn't go into the middle of Sierra Leone. That's where your boys go, you mm-hmm. know, with the mm-hmm. army. Um, like, Kenya, Tanzania, Malawi, Namibia, Botswana, Zimbabwe. I can keep naming them. There's no, there's no issues there that would affect a, a tourist, yeah. for sure. There's, you know, when it comes to the dangers in the city, the same dangers exist there as anywhere else. But the the likelihood of something happening in between are slim to none. And I, I don't see any of these issues that people are so afraid of all yeah. the time. All the troubles that you read about in the media or you see in the television, they're in very specific pockets yeah. of an immense continent. Like mm. it's a huge continent. So you're not going to see these things yeah. and they're not going to happen. You know, and the reason I say that is I've spent five years there. Yeah. Hasn't happened. And that was one of the biggest things about my bicycle trip there, right? So if ever there's someone that feels vulnerable, yeah. it's me on a bicycle, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And coming up to these big gangs. And what I realized there was that the people in Africa were more afraid of me, this wow. lunatic on a bicycle. <laughs> you know? And I had this big ginger beard about four times the I size saw, of yours. Oh, it was epic, man. Yeah, yeah. So that was interesting because that really flipped the way I thought about travel and the, the way mm. I th- thought about life in the end because I, was such, I had so many anxiety problems before that trip like for real in every aspect of my life I was very depressed I had acute anxieties about everything I had social anxiety when I'd go out I'd always be afraid that I'd get beaten up on the way home you know like and a lot of people I think have these same fears even subconsciously so I had these going to Africa so day after day I was coming into these these different villages meeting these tribes and I was afraid that they were going to rob me I was afraid that they were going to beat me up they were going to I thought they were going to eat me in some cases yeah and I, all, I started to notice that they were afraid of me. Wow. Not just once or twice, but every time they were afraid of me because I was the unknown. Yeah. I was this white man coming in with this yeah. stupid looking beard and a, yeah. a bicycle, you know? Sexy bike full of kit. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was very interesting for me to yeah. see this because that, that was an experience then. It wasn't just in my imagination anymore. It was an experience. And, you know, when you combine the two of those... Yeah that becomes something a lot more powerful. So when I saw that for a year, day after day, I came out of that trip thinking, what the hell are we all afraid of yeah. so much? You know, all these things that people are afraid in Africa, for example, they either don't exist or they're not going to happen. And that's Crazy. it. You know? There's a real life lesson in that as well, isn't there? It's like perspective or, or perception versus reality. You know, like what, what we perceive something, what we think something is going to be like yeah. and how we build it up in our head. The story, yeah. Yeah, like, totally. or, yeah, that place is this or whatever, like, we've seen on Trogra ads or, you know, whatever, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, like filtering information has come into our heads about, like, this continent of Africa, you know. Like, right. I'm thinking, like, famine, war, dangerous animals, um, but the reality of the experience is wildly different to that, you know. Right. Yeah, but a lot of things in life and are like it, that. It's true, they? isn't it? Like, the when you like step out of not talking about Africa but when you come back into the into the real world mm. all of that's true because for me the biggest things I've been trying to do over the last say six years is to deconstruct what was wrong with me so yeah. there was like when I say something was wrong with me mm. I was a very happy person up to say 
2006 my mother died and then 2008 my dad died and then I self-destructed and I started to amass all these problems but I started to create these problems myself you know so over the last six years I've been deconstructing all these stories in my head that make made me feel that way that made Mm. me so anxious that made me so worried about life in general you know so it it really does all come down to that story what you're telling yourself at the end of the day but hey man it's taken me a long time to Mm. deconstruct what I have so far and like what what method are you using like is your journeys or your trips like the the because uh, I know you do a lot of like thinking and talking to yourself and stuff when you're out there and I'm sure that serves like a purpose in the, in the by using any kind of like methods of I know you're into meditation are you? I do a bit yeah, of meditation yeah. but it's a very warped you know it's like my version of yoga right, <laughs> if anyone yeah, saw yeah. that they'd be, their first question would be like what the hell is that you yeah, know yeah. downward facing what <laughs> so i meditate but you know i've read a bit about meditation but what i do is pretty simple i just go and take my quiet time and i use affirmations mm-hmm. so i tell myself what i believe about myself and then if it's something that i'm trying to achieve like a purpose or a goal a long-term goal i'll, I'll envision it but i'll tell myself the way it's gonna the way it's gonna pan out and it's yes. it's so far it's it's worked so Whoa. far yeah. yeah no but, so there's not there's real, nothing yeah. i didn't necessarily find this formula anywhere mm-hmm. but that's just something that you know i started to do over and over mm-hmm. and it didn't even i think it just happened by accident in the beginning i did it more and more and then i became aware of it so the biggest thing for me is is awareness i just try to be aware of what i'm thinking all the time yes. and not go down the wrong roads that i've been going down so often in the past yeah you know, so that that for me is the is the key is the awareness. Yeah, absolutely. Like being able to uh, see your thought processes and and the yeah. patterns that lead you into like negative spirals. And right. Like yeah. that's how I'm going to. That's where I'm at at the moment as well. Is just and, like becoming aware of that stuff. Yeah. You know, it's, and that's it. You know, I I don't want to bore people with this. Uh, say on my videos, for example, I don't mm. want to get too deep on it. You know, because I'm out there trying to have fun at the end of the day. Yeah. But there is a big side of those trips, and subconsciously i'm hoping people get this from it is that when you go out there into these places you usually end up on your own you know when you go into the outdoors you have a lot of time away from other people the distractions the advertising the noise the busyness all these things all the bills all the worries so then you're just left with yourself and it's so easy to be aware out there of what you're thinking because there's nothing distracting you but it's so difficult when you come back to where we are right now for example not in this lovely room but in (laughs) on the street out there you go back into that yeah. mode that you're in. It's like autopilot totally. where you're not actually aware because you don't have time. You're just constantly distracted. You're constantly thinking about where do I have to go? What do mm. I have to do? What do I have? What bills do I have to pay? So when you go up for these hikes or go camping overnight on a micro adventure, like you said, that dissipates immediately the minute mm. you get up there and you're just left with this quiet. And you can appreciate everything that's up there and everything that's fun about it, but you're also you know, in a position where you can be very aware of what's going on in your head. Yeah. So that's a big part of why I do it. I just try not to bog people down with that side oh, of the that's, that's a huge part of it, I think. Yeah, no? yeah fascinating. For, for me, like when I went up and did that, it was only 24 hours. Like, But I was like acutely aware of how how much I like use people. Like, I mean, use them in a bad sense, but how much it, like how much social interactions are a way for me to nearly sometimes avoid being in myself, do you know what I mean? And being just like, like, well, if I'm, if I have a bit of free time, I'll go and try and go meet someone, I'll try and do something, I'll try and go yeah. do a bit of training or do a class or, you know? Right. Um, 
and how much I used that as like a, a way nearly to an avoid. escape. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah an escape. Or then avoid is a better word. To, word to like, yeah. yeah, avoid that like alone time. Do you know what yeah. I mean? But that's important. I think is to 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 have that time to because we're in such contact. Like Frankel talks about this in his book as well as um. What do you call it? Like enforced community, I think. Right. So when you're in a, a, you know, he's obviously in a concentration camp, but when you're in any situation where you're just constantly in contact with people, yeah, it becomes like more and more like valuable to extract yourself from it and right. have that time. Like he used to get five minutes alone every day, you know, and he cherished it more than anything. Like. Yeah. But um, separating yourself from the the maddening crowd because like we're we're group animals, we're social animals. Mm. So that's why when you're in town, you get caught up in that madness of just manic, you know? You're yeah. rushing, you don't even have to be anywhere, and you're just like, ah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. going crazy on people for slowing you down. And, <laughs> and see, the, the, the funny thing about that is I ended up having the opposite for the last few years up yeah. until I came back, is that I, I was taking these big, long trips that mm. lasted for six months or a year, which is a long time to be spending alone. You're not alone every minute of the day, but more often than not, you're on your own mm. and that's when I really fully realised that I don't want to be alone I want yeah. to be with people where are my family and my friends like yes. I'm starting to feel very detached and lonely not just lonely but very mm. alone right now so that that was the flip side for me so finding that that's, that's a big beautiful. thing is finding that balance mm. is, is true and the same is probably true of your like luxuries in your life like you know running water fucking yeah Flushing the hot toilet. shower. Yeah, hot shower. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you appreciate that stuff so much more. Right. Yeah. Tell me, is there, um, is there like a period of reintegration? Like, because with, with, you know, with plant medicines, and stuff like, there's always this period of like, you go on your journey and then you have whatever, like, insights that you have. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you, when you come back, you know, there's always this like period of trying to reintegrate of, of like, like say you've been away for six months i'm sure like you have changed through that course of that time mm. and when you come back like you bump back into people who they don't see the change in you quite yet or you know mm. you get caught up in the the grooves of the way your life was beforehand you know right and trying to bring those two things together and trying to integrate the the lessons or the insights that you've, yeah. you've gleaned um, so I'm, I'm still trying to master that not even just perfected but just to get used to that it is a difficult thing like when you come back um i wouldn't say it's difficult but it takes some getting used to yeah. the problem for that i had at the beginning was i see this as a problem when i first started taking these trips say i went on the africa trip for one year i came back and i said to myself oh my whole life has changed yeah that's it i've done it but that was a mistake in a way because i hadn't really changed yeah. my life yet that was only the very beginning yeah and i was very naive in hindsight to think that way and i found it very hard to come back to the real world as we call it because i, I was saying to myself people don't get it i've taken this big fascinating <laughs> profound trip and i'm such an adventurer and i'm you know yeah. they don't understand but it was so naive and so silly of me to think mm. like that you know because people out there everyone understands they just understand it in in a different way it's re everything's relative right yeah they're off having their own adventure their own experiences and learning their own things about life that i don't know yeah so i i still find it uh, takes time getting used to coming back to this type of lifestyle yeah but it excites me now yeah you know so it everything's different about the way I, i'm living the past month than it has been for the last Mm. six years but you know it just uh, it should be expected you know totally 
That's fascinating that you say it. Actually, people are running away from the nine to five, Jody, or they want yeah. to escape. I <laughs> I realise this, yeah. but now I'm I'm desperate <laughs> to get back into. You it. see the value in it, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you wouldn't do it long term forever, you know. That's the thing. I think I would though. Like, I, was, I was asked that in an interview with Hiker there a while ago. Mm. I never had a problem with nine to five. It was just my life sucked, yeah. you know, in general. What I was doing outside of that nine to five, yeah, was nothing basically. Mm. So you know, no wonder I was bored and. Yeah, felt life was. I think like the problem with a lot of like inverted commas nine to fives is they're not nine to fives anymore. You know, um, like when you when you do any work in corporates and you see oh you take the job home. Well, yeah, you yeah. just see how much people are expected to work now. You right. know, in every like pretty much every job like right. Um, the workload. Yeah. I feel like the workload is getting heavier and heavier and heavier. Um. And like people don't have hobbies anymore, you know. People just have hobbies. Mm. Like they go fucking drawing classes, or they go to dancing classes, or they, whatever. Yeah. I feel like that stuff is falling off, and like the workload is becoming heavier and heavier. People have less time, and where they're cutting it off is sleep, because everyone's like sleep deprived now mm. because they, they like that's where they're making up the time, you know. Yeah. Because you need a couple hours in the evening to wind down and. Yeah. you know get off the train um, I agree it can't be a good thing if people are saying that it's not that they don't have time it's that they choose not to have time to yeah. do something other than work every yeah. day for the rest of their life but. yeah it's like but it's so hard to make a lifestyle change you know what I mean yeah. like you can appreciate that but like I love that you did that you're just like candid and fucking you obviously understood how much you needed that but I think maybe a lot of people don't get to that like critical point yeah where they're like so they've hit a point where they're so low or whatever, they're, they're mm. so unhappy that they're, breaking they're point, like, yeah. I need to really fucking change stuff. It's like, maybe they're floating, you know, a couple of notches just above that. They haven't reached that point and they're just at a, and, and they yeah. don't ever realise maybe right. what the underlying... Yeah, it's kind of a lot of, you know, you know a, lot, a lot of these, uh, a lot of, a lot of say, self-help books and that sort of thing, like Joe Dispenza yeah. talks a lot about Unfortunately, most people wait until their breaking points, their absolute low, as you call it, mm. before they decide to make a meaningful change in their life. And whatever that might be, whether they yeah. want to move jobs or whether they want to go out and start doing courses, making new friends and all this. And his point is like, you shouldn't be waiting for any of that. You should be try to be aware that you can do this at any point. Even yeah. if your life is okay, you can make it better now. Mm. Don't be waiting for that breaking point. I had to, I got the breaking point, right? That's the way it happened for me. But, yeah. you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way and even for me now like things are pretty I feel pretty good about life in general but I'm still trying to go out there and do new things and different things and explore you know how I can make my life more adventurous you know so that's that's I think ideally how it should be for for people that do want you know to make some sort of change yeah like I I I completely uh, empathize with people in that it is hard you know, if you've got a couple of kids or you've got like a, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. You've got a mortgage to pay, whatever, like, like, yeah. I understand that it's hard to uh, completely overhaul. But then, yeah, you can always start with micro adventures or you can always start with, you know, maybe you just need something that's a little bit, a little bit different, a little, little, right. bit, little bit fun, something, you know. Damn. Micro adventures is a great one. Mm. Like that, so I, I'll be back working nine to five this for this year, yeah. and I'll be taking a lot of those. But that's a great one, and it, it's great because anyone can take them. Mm. As you know, just I'm just thinking your your listeners might not know what they are. So they're, they're a micro adventure be local, short, and it won't cost much money. So yeah. for example, like you probably went up the mountains here near yeah. Dublin. You camp in the mountains and come back down, yeah. and you can do it any night of the week. 
So, you know, it removes those excuses that mm. I think we all have for not doing anything. You know, I don't have the money or I don't have the time or I don't have the experience. Whereas actually for a micro adventure, you don't need any of those things. You just need to drop all your BS excuses and go and do it. Yes. And that's what it's all about. So I, I totally. want to hopefully demonstrate that a bit better this year while I'm working nine to five to say, look, Definitely. you know, anyone can do this sort of thing at any time. Yeah, I love it. So and there true. will be people, like you say, that have kids and they have a lot more commitments than most and they won't be able to do it but there'll be a, a time will come where they'll be able to make time yeah. you know and there's always a workaround you know what i mean like mm. like when you're talking about such a short period of time mm. and the fact that it's local and it's cheap like there's always a workaround like look at it this way if you can make time to go to a fucking wedding and get pissed or you can make time to go you know out on a friday night with whoever like you can definitely make time to it's just about prioritizing like right you know because we we associate now maybe downtime with things that aren't great for us you know like just watching tv or eating bad food like takeaway or chocolate or whatever it might be or drinking alcohol or right. and all these things are like they take away from your life in a way yeah. you know maybe with the exception of tv because you can probably watch some, some stuff that will educate you there or whatever right. but in general like they're kind of taken away from us a little bit you know and then we have to get back into life when really what we need is a recharge. Yeah. You know, we're like we yeah. need to we need to up our energy levels like and something like this is like you're getting out into nature, like yeah. you know how good that is for, for your health and you know, get the clean air, get some headspace and as you say, you feel better afterwards too. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, you're you, know, come back you feel like, like that was productive. Exactly. I had time to myself and yeah. it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it also comes back. I know the word is a bit hokey, uh, balance. It actually comes mm. to that too, you know. Yeah, totally. It's nothing wrong with going out, having a few drinks, or you know, Absolutely. watching Netflix, or going out for a meal, all these other things. But yeah. you, you know, it doesn't mean you can't be doing something that you, that's good for your health, or going outdoors, and yeah. so you know, or just understanding that, like, that's just as enjoyable, mm. or even more so, or even what you attach your reward system to what you attach your dopamine yeah. releases to you know if you if you think that like smoking and drinking is great and then you you attach dopamine to that and like that's your thing you right. know if you if you think about hiking and you know getting out and doing different stuff and that's your, your reward system then yeah you know it like the reward it's funny because you can attach it to whatever you want because i've gone both ways like i can be <laughs> you know I was saying earlier, I'm not, a, I'm not a moderator, I'm an abstainer. Yeah. So I can go heavy on things, you know what I mean? Like, and I have a, an addictive personality. Uh, but the funny thing is that the reward system, it doesn't matter really what the thing is. Like, mm -hmm. you can attach your dopamine to anything. You can attach your reward system to anything. Right. So once you start doing it and you start enjoying it, then that becomes the thing that you do, you know? Yeah. It's just making that change. Like, it's fascinating. Um. I've always been fascinated with the PCT, the Pacific Crest Trail, right, and uh, the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, um, and I'm interested to know: Are you a total techno gearhead now after doing the PCT? No, and I, I don't think I ever will be now. I, I, it's weird. I'd look, I look. I thought you were going to give me all the ultralight techniques, maybe. No, now. I, <laughs> you know what? You find out what's light. I do anyway because yeah. you don't want to carry it anymore. Yeah. So you kind of you're you have an incentive to figure out what gear is the lightest, yeah. what works the best. But I I often I want to be a tech head. Yeah. I want to know more about this stuff than I do. I just can't get into it. So I just you know I just want to be out there. Yeah. The the thing about the 
Pacific Crest Trail, though, is you do need to kind of figure out what gear works best and what doesn't. Yeah. And you meet a lot of those people out there that know everything about every piece of equipment. Mm. You know, they're the, they're the sort of people that just live by the seat, fly by the yeah. seat of their pants, you know. Yeah. So uh, you learn off them as you go. And that, that's, uh, that was a good education for me on that, yeah. on that trail. It's, re it's a really amazing trail, by the way. The Appalachian Trail, I haven't hiked that, but you'll meet a lot of people on the Pacific Crest that have also hiked the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. Um, and vice versa. So, oh, yeah. Uh, that was an amazing, amazing experience. But for me, it was more about just being out there mm. and just meeting the other hikers. That was what it was cool. all about for me. Yeah. Fascinating. And do you meet plenty of people on the trail? Like, you meet. Because you do, yeah. yeah. So, you start at the Mexican border. You yeah. start around. Uh, most people start around uh, the month of April mm. and up until the start of May. But you have to start at that that time because of the seasons in the states it'll get you start in the mojave desert yeah that's about 1100 miles long so your first six weeks are just walking through the desert Jesus. and you have to get out of there by a certain time frame or else it gets you'll be just burnt alive in there wow. and then you have to get into the next section in time which is the high sierra because the snow will have melted but you have to to <laughs> get you have to get wow. through that in time to reach washington before it snows there so oh, that's fucking fascinating so long story short is this like you're you're always kind of limited on what time you're always being either racing or slowing down to to be not too early or not too late wow. for each section and uh you're out there for a long time so at the beginning they say that one out of five people finish the pacific crest trail that start every year wow and I would say it's less. Yeah, that's twenty percent. Like I would say, yeah, it's got to be less than that. A lot of people leave on the first four days. Mm. <laughs> yeah, cause it's, yeah, man, it's tough. I yeah. totally underestimated how hard that was going to really? be. Yeah, it was so so. Like the bicycle trip in Africa that I took, that was so mm. much easier. It was easy compared to the Pacific Crest. Wow. Yeah, it was a really tough trail. And by the time you're finishing that, so saying the last two weeks, you don't see any people right you know yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. and the people that you do see you know them because you've met them <laughs> you met them randomly over the course of a few months in wow. random spots so uh yeah there's a great buzz so at the very start especially there's all these people most people have no idea what they're doing because they've yeah. never hiked anywhere before and everyone's kind of <laughs> encouraging each other and helping each other through it and people start dropping off then yeah slowly but surely mm. people start dropping off or skipping sections on it you know, which is yeah. frowned upon in, in some with some hikers, That's but cool. it's all good. It's so so much fun meeting the people out there, getting the stories, the different yeah. characters, and you become really really close with these people. You know, like mm. like family members, more or less, because you're having these difficult or challenging experiences together, and you're overcoming them together. Mm. At some point, everyone hits a really low point, yeah. and at some point, you know, they'll help you out of one, or you'll help them out of mm. one you know what i mean so yeah you become very close there's a very strong bond between mm. all those true hikers as they call them true hikers yeah yeah t-h-r-u that's right yeah, yeah yeah don't think people here have heard that term before but that's yeah in north america they call someone that does a long distance trail they call yeah. it true, hiker, true yeah. hikers and like did you, were you wearing like boots and stuff when you started did you make any big gear changes along the way or yeah i changed my shoes after yeah. three days I wow. was, yeah, I won't say who. Someone gave me advice here in, in Dublin in a store to buy these trail. They're like a hybrid. Go on, tell us who treasures. was it. No, I, better, I better not. <laughs> I better not. But it was a very bad uh, choice. Let's put it that way. Okay. And I flipped over to what I still wear today a lot of the time, or Ultra Lone Peak, they're called. It's an American right. US brand. 
and they were they were just savage for the whole trip. Cool. Are they a boot or a no? It's like a trail runner. Oh, like, yeah, a, yeah. like people use them for trail running. Yeah. But that's the thing about the the Pacific Crest. It's about if you wear some people wear boots, but not many. Yeah. Because they're too heavy. So we were even walking through the snow and trail runners. Yeah. You know, you might totally. think that's crazy, but it's uh-huh. like, look, you, you can't have it both ways. You can't yeah. carry boots and uh, mm. trail shoes at the same time. Yeah. You have to pick one or the other. And this is the trail shoes get you from A to B quicker. Totally. No doubt. Yeah. And like, I always, like, so long in the army with like the shit boots, you know, issue boots. Oh, yeah. Like they look heavy as hell. Like, yeah. Yeah. They're shit. Like, they're so right. heavy. And that's how I got interested in like the, Ultra light, the yeah. lightweight type of stuff in that when I was going out myself then on the weekends and stuff I was like I didn't want to be humping a big pack or fucking yeah. wearing heavy boots and heavy gear and I, that's how I got interested in like lightweight gear and the experience is so much different when you're carrying a light pack wearing a pair of runners and like you say you can go out in snow in, in runners it's fine like right. your feet get a bit fucking wet or whatever but, oh man we, we were yeah. walking through like yeah. thunderstorms and snow in, in shorts every day <laughs> yeah yeah you know? exactly that, and was, again like you might look at photos of that mm. and say that's insane but when you're out there it's like well look you know yeah. the storm it, will blow away and as long as you're moving you're, you stay warm that you was it, yeah. Yeah. well and the big yeah. thing was get now when you get into your tent at the end of the night you have to make sure everything's dry that yeah. like as that goes without saying you have yeah. to make sure everything's dry your sleeping bag is warm enough yeah, yeah. that you can pitch the tent correct you know that yeah. that was the big deal yeah and one of my tents actually is a big Agnes Copper Spur. That's one of the lightest oh, tents yeah, that's in the world. Funny. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't. You might notice I didn't bring that on my walk around Ireland, because it's because it's actually the fly sheet in that tent is a bright orange. Right. And in Ireland, I was like, you know, these farmers are going to be <laughs> shooting at me if I yeah, have this yeah, big yeah. bright orange tent in their field. <laughs> Whereas the, the tent I actually took was a green one, and it it's kind of blends Van Gogh, in. Was a Van Gogh one? Yeah, yeah Van Gogh Banshee. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that like it's much heavier than I would like, but it kind of blends in with the environment. Mm. You can stealth camp, as they call it. Love it. You know, so. you'd never go for like the bivy bag and the sleeping bag type operation, though. I thought about it. I, it's not that I wouldn't. I just don't have a bivy bag. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I always use. Baby bike, but I've always, I've always thought about a lightweight tent, but like the cost of them, like is yeah, it's pretty high, isn't it? Yeah, like you'll pick up a bivy bag for you pick up an ex-military bivy bag for like less than a hundred quid, you know? Right, and like you can just lie out in the middle of a fucking snowstorm and yeah, like in your sleeping bag, you know? You know what? It's for me, it's actually less about the price and more about how I like I feel safer sleeping in a tent, yeah. Know because that sheet of fabric's going to protect you yeah. from everything, yeah. <laughs> that's like, yeah, it's a mad psychological thing, isn't it? it it's in funny, that, cocoon, like. but it, it's psychological, but that's what works for me. So, yeah, totally. even when I'm sleeping in Ireland, like up in the, the mountain, there's only like sheep or deer up there at best, yeah. but in my mind, there's still probably some monster in the bush that could come and eat my face <laughs> off while I'm asleep. So, awesome. when I'm in a tent, I, I, yeah. I feel like I'm in a cocoon. So no, I resonate me. with that, yeah. I get that. The bivy bag, like, is in a way, you're kind of closer. Do you know what? It's nice on like a rare dry night here when you can just, yeah, just not yeah. even put up a, a little tarp and just Fair, I can appreciate look up that, at the yeah. stars or the fresh air, you know, and just. You know what? I have a weird thing. You're gonna laugh at this. I have a a weird paranoia about sleeping in tents because my dad brought me camping when I was a little kid, right? Right. And it pissed rain all night, and I was leaning up. It was one of the old double wall uh, tents, uh, you yeah. know. And I was leaning up against the side of the tent. Yeah. And I woke up in the middle of the night, and it was like two inches of rain just in the whole oh, no. bathtub of the no of the more tent for you. And just oh, it was horrific. Yeah. Like, standing outside, fucking shivering and. I'm just, if I sleep in a tent now, I'm just always like, wake up in the middle of the night, make sure I'm not touching the side of it, right, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's funny. 
So a tenth is one less thing to worry about for you. Well, yeah. What what I would say though, anywhere there's animals, I definitely want my tent. Yeah. So you see a lot of people on the Pacific Crest; they call it cowboy camping. Yeah. Using the bivy, um, but I I just couldn't do that. You know, they got bears and shit up there, don't they? Yeah. yeah and yeah. like there was one night in the Sierra, I was camping on my own, and there was two huge bears around the tent. And I was luckily I was so exhausted that day I wasn't able to stay awake because mm. if I stayed awake I'd be terrified you know oh, i saw that post you put up yeah 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 so that that was the great thing was i was able to just fall back asleep, back asleep. the bears were sniffing my head fuck me and i was brother. thinking if you're out here sleeping just in your sleeping bag like what the bear's gonna be like That's right over your head so I, I just wouldn't be able to sleep with that like you know how the fuck are you so relaxed they're black bears obviously but still yeah. me saying oh they're just black bears they're not grizzlies but jesus christ yeah there's grizzlies up in washington yeah. i didn't see any but there's grizzlies you start seeing the signs from them up there now listen i my biggest fear doing the pacific crest was actually bears yeah. and rattlesnakes yeah and i saw a lot of i saw a lot of rattlesnakes in the first couple of weeks like stepping up, like right past them a lot of close uh, encounters but it, it went like as with everything i find when you when you see it enough times and you experience it enough times yeah it dissipates because like what I said earlier on you realise that what you're afraid of either doesn't exist or is not going to happen yeah. and this has happened on every trip I've done everywhere and the African one was the biggest one because every night I was terrified I fell asleep some nights because I fainted out of fear that's how scared yeah, I was I saw you put up a post that you, you peed yourself one night out with oh, yeah. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah fuck me yeah, like which that. was an incentive to wash my sleeping bag so that was that was great I hadn't been washed in a but while that's a real demonstration of like you're talking about primal fear yeah like, I wet that myself is, yeah wow yeah I was really scared I was more scared the night I fainted so mm. I just didn't even I just blacked out in the middle of the tent and sometimes I sat right in the middle of the tent you know because that yeah. was safer it was away from the sides <laughs> So, uh, it, it, like, my point is with that is that, you know, all those animals, I was afraid of them individually. You know, when, when I got past areas where there was lots of, uh, you know, Namibia, there's leopard in some mm. places. But then when you get into Botswana, there's lots of hyena and lion especially. Fuck. But there was always something to be afraid of. Yeah. And you eventually not just get bored of it, but you, you realise, as I said, that mm. what you're afraid of doesn't exist or it's not going to happen. So it was the same, even though I spent all this time in, in Africa with dangerous animals, I was now afraid of bears and rattlesnakes going to Pacific Crest Trail. Just because which, they were strange to yeah, you. Because yeah, because they were new and different. But then the same thing happened there. I had bears sniffing my head at night time and I was like, oh, they, they don't care about me. You know, <laughs> they might want my food, but they don't want, yeah. they want to be left alone just like I do. So <sighs> that's a great realisation, you know. Mm. I was forced myself into that position, but yeah. it was great to come out the other side and kind of have that, not as a mantra, but to have that realisation and yeah. be able to move forward with it, you know. Is that like a desensitisation just to, I suppose like we build up the fear in our head, like you say, and then the reality of it is very different, but then you become like desensitised. So as you're going yeah. on and on through Africa or through the the PCT, as you go, you're be, like, because you're experiencing these things that are forced like wildly. Yeah. Like, and it's very extreme too yeah. so what well, like like you say with, with, when you talk about be, becoming desensitized to it it's like when you experience something like that and you it makes you challenge everything else that you think yeah. so like wait a minute if i was so afraid of these things what about everything else i'm afraid of amazing so you eventually i eventually come to that point where i start to become more aware of what i'm thinking and i start to challenge the stories that are mm -hmm. going on in my head about you know oh, what if I get rejected here? Or what if this happens? Or what if this goes wrong? And I'm like, hang on a minute. None of those things have happened yet. Yeah. And why not just go ahead with it and see what will happen instead of worrying about what might happen? Because mm. every time you've done this in the past, 
all those things didn't happen you know what I mean they, oh, they totally. haven't transpired so that's a that, that was thing. a I think that was a real life lesson mm. and perspective that came out of that for me and it became ingrained because I did it for so long is that you know you, you gotta stop being afraid of all these things because mm. they're only holding you back in life you know these stories are not serving you very well you gotta get new stories yeah brilliant <laughs> like that's powerful shit man um, how much do you think these trips served as like a rite of passage or an initiation because this is something that I think about a lot with like every single ancient culture that we have mm. has like rites of passage and initiations built into their culture you know where mm. there's a time where young people become adults and there's a process and a ritual involved in that whether it's like sometimes it involves a trip or being cast out for a year or yeah and you know like with so, the Maasai yeah yeah exactly yeah 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 into the wild come yeah. back with a lion tooth exactly yeah, yeah. And uh, like we don't have that stuff anymore. Do you know what I mean? We have right. faux rites of passage, like making your communion or your confirmation, which are just like, yeah, plastic. There's no real. There's no hardship involved in it. There's no like finding of oneself involved in it. Right. Um, and I feel like that in some way contributes to our to our malaise that we have now. You know, this like existential vacuum that we were talking mm. about earlier of, of like despair maybe a bit in people yeah um, looking for meaning in life yeah, yeah yeah and like do you feel like the like these were served that purpose for you like they served the rite of passage because ultimately it's like it's like a hero's journey like when you're explaining the the trip to me it sounds like exactly like a hero's journey you know what i mean oh, with like, joseph campbell yeah, yeah 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 or just any mythological tale like you're out you go you face down these demons, whatever whatever mm. fears you built up in your head, um, and you come back with the treasure, which is your your lessons and your your knowledge that you've gained along the way. You know right. I mean? Yeah. Well, well, for me, the rite of passage was I mentioned earlier on. A lot of the last six years has been a, more about deconstructing mm. what I all the mess I created, rather than you know trying to just improve my life in general. So. Yeah. Over the last six years, all those trips and all those experiences and the, the lessons and perspectives I learned, they've all definitely helped me become a better person and helped me grow and all the rest of it. But I also think that I was searching for meaning, let's say, mm. too hard. Yeah. You know, I was making life harder than it should have been. You know, mm. I should, why wasn't I just going along and enjoying myself yeah. like I was before I created all this mess? Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like a, I have come full circle in some ways. But when it comes to finding meaning, I think that can be overrated sometimes. Yeah. I think what I was looking for all of these years, I always had the whole time. I had before I even left here. I just mm. didn't realize it. Yeah. You know, and I, I left as a means of escape. I ran away from my problems. Yeah. I ran away from the fact that I was creating this mess for myself. And you know what? My life isn't that great because of me, because I haven't done anything about it. So I've come back with a different mindset that's enabled me to look at it that way, to say, right, you were you were here say six years ago your life was crap because of you you know you didn't weren't doing anything remotely interesting mm. with your life yeah you were working hard and you were playing football and going to the pub but you weren't happy because you weren't doing things that made you happy mm. so i take responsibility now yeah. and that's been the, the probably the biggest uh, catalyst if you like is that i come back here saying right it's up to me to do stuff it's up to me to make my life more interesting, more adventurous, but I actually I gotta go out and do it myself because no one's gonna do it for me. And that's what I learned in my first desert crossing, let's say yeah. in Africa, you know? 
I was out there with the burn the ships, as you say, and I, I was like, right, no one's gonna help me get out of this one. Yeah. So I gotta go and do it myself. And when you, when you realize that fully, you know, you will go out and change things about your life that actually will make it more meaningful, mm. let's say. But, you know, I, I, I definitely have over, over been, you know, I have been at fault in terms of overthinking a lot, yeah. you know, over the last six years too. So I'm just yeah, trying to yeah. relax a lot more and just do things that make me happier that are mm. more interesting. Whereas I wasn't doing that before. That was the, the biggest difference. Awesome. Responsibility is, that's a huge one, isn't it? Because it's like, it's always going to be easier to blame other people or blame your situation or blame whatever's going on. Yeah. But ultimately, like, we all are the captain of our own ship. You know what I mean? Right. Just, like, I've had and that it's easier to run away too. Yeah, right? yeah, totally, yeah. Yeah, escapism. <laughs> and that's what alcohol was for me back then mm. let's say like our, our, when I was in the midst of all those problems I was drinking as a means of escape and then when I went travelling that was a means of escape too and yeah. a lot of people you know Wayne Dyer yes so you know that story he tells where the, someone he's in his house one night and he, uh, he's looking for his car or he has his car keys and he drops the car keys but the lights or the power there's a power cut and he starts looking around the dark for his keys but he can't find them and he looks outside the house and on the street there's a, a lamppost outside and there's a light shining down. Right. So he goes outside under the lamppost and starts looking around <laughs> in the, you know, in the light on the ground. Yeah. And then his neighbour comes and says, what are you doing? He says, I'm looking for my car keys. So his neighbour starts searching around on the ground looking for the, the car keys too. So they're there for a couple of minutes and the, the neighbour said, are you sure you dropped them here? And he said, no, I dropped them in the house. Oh he said, well, what God. are you out here looking for them? For, you know? <laughs> but that's you know it's a yeah, metaphor it's like why totally. do we all when we have these problems or when i had these problems and these issues in my life why did i go blaming everyone and everything else and why did i run away from them instead mm. of facing the fact that look it's it's your fault you know and no one's going to fix it except you because it's hard to fucking look at shit and take responsibility for it you know especially when you've made a, a mess you know because i've been in that situation if you, if you get to the point where your life is like you know, it's not just an easy turnaround. It's like you've got to face up to all of that shit that you've created. Right. You know? And it's not a good feeling. Yeah, like, right? you know, totally. Like, and, and yeah, you have to admit a lot of shit to yourself and other people that maybe you didn't want to admit and you've got to be vulnerable. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of vulnerability involved in like admitting that your life's a kind of shit and that you, have, mm. you need to turn it around you know what I mean like that's that's a difficult decision to make it's kind of right. sometimes easier to just bury your head in the sand and keep motoring you know that's actually so, the title of my next talk bury your head in the sand and keep no. motoring <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the title is uh, it's about the willingness to be vulnerable love it like it's it's all based around the importance of of being willing to be vulnerable because you can't mm. well my theory is that you can't actually go out and do any of these things that you want to do in life that are maybe you know involve fear and it doesn't matter what it is yeah. you know unless you're willing to be vulnerable because totally. unless you're willing to be vulnerable you won't be able to go through with it mm. you won't be able to have the experience in the first place yeah so i think that's that's really the it. crux of why a lot of people avoid doing the things that they really want to do in life mm. or they never get around to doing them in the first place that's fascinating yeah, yeah. yeah that's and it's very it's very important because like the so africa important. trip i took i had to be willing to be vulnerable yeah you know, and with the public speaking I'm going to do this year, mm. I'm terrified. I'm, as, I'm more scared about that than cycling Africa. <laughs> but I got to be willing to be vulnerable to get out there yeah. and do it, right? So It's one of the top fears, isn't it? Public speaking, it's up there. It's like second right. on the list of like most feared things for people to do. You Is know? that right? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's right up there, yeah. I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, when I started doing, um, I do like some corporate talks and seminars and stuff, and mm. fuck me, when I started doing that stuff, like, just dry mouth, heart thumping. Oh yeah. Yeah, I used to be doing my po- uh, power poses in the in the toilet beforehand. Have you seen yeah, that? Yeah. Uh, the power pose yeah, TED yeah, talk. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to do it. that. Shit works, man. I heard that. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. That shit works. But um, is this the one you do the Superman with the hands? Yeah, the you do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like the the uh, fist in the air. Or you God know, love you when anyone walks in in on the that. cubicle. You know, <laughs> trying to flex. <laughs> but um, that's interesting stuff as well. The way that affects your your psychology. You know what I mean? Like like your psychology affects your posture but your posture can also affect your yeah. psychology in reverse you know I, yeah. I love stuff like that but uh yeah it's, it's and over time you just get desensitized to it like or you realize that like the fears and there's only one way of winning any of those situations is by doing it yeah. right yeah exactly it's, it's like for, for me with the speaking i'll be worried that no one will show up to the talk mm. but then when i see that everyone's showing up for the talk i'm going to be worried about talking to them yeah and then you're like oh shit there's loads of people here i was kind of hoping no one would turn up right <laughs> yeah I've and been then in that so situation. like if, if you don't actually go ahead and do the talk well then you'll never know you'll never get over that you know yeah, you'll never become a speaker mm. so yeah you, you have to be mm. and that's and like pouring the ships as well you know you like you say you're going to do a talk you book the date you book the place it's up in the air the tickets are in the in the air people are going right. to take them or they're not like the ships are burned like there's no turning back then you're that's committed, right. you know um that's a good strategy in so I, I've five lined up for the next uh, I think it's five weeks or six weeks five talks Beautiful. but it's like you just say it's burning yeah. the ships because I'm like right I haven't done a talk before this isn't scripted out properly yet Beautiful. but I'm just going to put all these dates in the journal and then I have to show up and do it love it tell us and, more about and if it and if it's crap <clears throat> then I have to get better at it. yeah 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 you know? but like it's never crap like even if when you think it's crap like the perception of what other people are seeing from from down there is like they don't like stuff that you feel like is a mistake they don't even fucking notice it do you I know hope, what I mean I hope so like, like <laughs> that's happened to me in seminars where I'm like oh fuck it like you forget stuff or you just have to ad lib and yeah like nobody notices like you might stutter for a second or whatever and like you know what i mean right but like because you have a formed idea of what you're gonna say or what you need to say yeah and actually that like you just remind me there that a lot of this is i i'm someone who overthinks everything mm. right i just ruminate way too much yeah i have to tell myself to shut the hell up half <laughs> of the time it's true I realise how much my brain is is mm. active all the time unnecessarily. But it's even with the speaking, overthinking is going to be something I'll have to really get the grips with. Yeah. You know, to stop overthinking what other people think about what I'm mm-hmm. saying or what I even think about it. To just let it flow and let it out, whatever's yeah. supposed to come out. So. And that it ultimately doesn't matter, you know? Right, that would be the is, ultimate um, dream, right? To not this is, be, yeah, be thinking yeah. about any of that. Yeah, exactly. This is like for passing the meditation, you should, uh, you should give Sam Harris's have you, do you know Sam Harris? I've heard the name. Yeah, he's like a neuroscientist, philosopher. Yeah. Uh, he's a skeptical Buddhist, you know? Yeah. But he, he has a great app for meditation stuff. I'm just saying that because I've been using it for the last uh, month or for so. For the 30 days, yeah. Yeah. And like the whole goal of like that style of meditation seems to be to be able to see your thoughts but not be consumed by them. You know, so like say right. if you get angry or if you get frustrated to be able to like be aware of that and yeah. see it and watch the emotion but not be consumed by it. You know, gotcha, and understand yeah. that you are not your thoughts are yeah. not you, they're just like Yeah, and you can't ignore it. So it, no, it, you that know, makes sense yeah. that you, you acknowledge that it's there, yeah. but you do it anyway. And it doesn't mean because I always used to think that like 
this detachment of of that meditators talk about is would leave you like emotionless you know yeah and that like oh that's no fun like living life with yeah of course not. With, that's not the, and it's, it's also it's not possible so, no no right. it's not yeah. it's not but it's more so just understanding that you're not like controlled by your emotions you mm. know so that like the whatever thoughts like fly by i'm the same like shit goes through my head like yeah crazy but being able to step back a little bit from it and be like okay that's like that emotion like that anger is there but that doesn't need to be you know controlling my whole day or controlling my whole yeah of course life in that moment the hard thing is maintaining that totally. you know because yeah. i'll be very good at making decisions and going ahead and doing things that i want to do in spite yeah. of the fear but being able to do it over and over that's mm. that's the hardest well, practice part. isn't it you know right that's what i call it a practice i suppose but uh, yeah i i completely resonate with that because i was in this like you know day 20 feeling great like kind of actually noticing the meditation kicking in like being yeah. able to detach a little bit from that's good yeah from situations being like whoa this is different like there's yeah. definitely something different going on here um, so I suppose when you're doing it that how long do you do it for every day it's only like 10 15 minutes like it's right. not even that long the fact long, that it's know? repetitive and that it's consistent and it's a course that like, that's what I recommend is that course because it's actually like a, it leads you in like bit by bit into this ultimate like goal yeah it like kind of gets it's it's a well laid out pathway you know? right Whereas it's not just like guided meditations that are random he's kind of bringing you somewhere you know yeah but uh yeah, I'm feeling great about it. And then, like, somebody made me angry. I won't say who, but so, somebody managed to make me, like, fucking angry. Yeah. And then I got so pissed off because I allowed myself to become angry. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it turned you, into Did you feel like, like then it was, like, a reset? Like, you were wondering, uh, oh, man, is this even working? Is that what Ah, no, I didn't. I just, like, I just was, I was still able to kind of see what was going on, which was interesting. But, yeah, I, I got angry. And then I got really fucking angry that I had allowed myself to get angry. Right. And it just turned into this, like, <laughs> fury, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, but I, I was still able to kind of be like, oh, fuck, this is crazy. Like, I've been in such a good place. And, but then the next day, you know, I was able to, like, reel it back. And, but it was just interesting that I became, like, extra fucking angry. Yeah. Just because I, like, allowed somebody to, right. to drag me into that space, yeah. you know what I mean? Almost like a so, relapse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was fucking this few, And maybe it was, like, more noticeable because... I was able to be a little bit more detached from that for, for a while, you know, yeah. just for a little bit of time. But um, tell us about your talks. What's going on? Yeah, so, I mean, the whole idea for me this year was to get uh, get into public speaking. So I was going to do free talks mm. for the most of this year to different groups, whether they're youth groups, the scouts. Um, I'll do corporate gigs if they want me to come and speak to companies, that sort of thing. Cool. But the whole idea is to just push myself out into these really uncomfortable mm. and uh, situations that feel embarrassing for me Beautiful. and force myself to go out and start talking to groups about what I've learned over the years from my experiences you know so I'll talk about the stories lessons perspectives and I'll, I'll uh, try and relate them to the real world of course you know to everyday life yeah. but talk about them in the context of the trips I've been taking so I wouldn't imagine there'll be any more than an, an hour long let's say and I'm willing to do it like if anyone's listening to this that wants me to come and talk to their group yeah I have to say yes to them so that's my thing i'm not, allowed, I'm not allowed to say no love it so you know if it's a, if you work in a retirement home or you're in a retirement home i'll come and do it there it doesn't matter where it is and the my plan is then at the end of this summer uh well it might be in the month of november i'm in the process of kind of trying to book it out i'm going to 
organize a big talk and that'd be a paid event cool. that people can come and kind of awesome. see the finished product or you know <laughs> see me go from start to finish Deadly. and uh yeah i'm excited about doing that and just putting the story out there i've always wanted to do speaking mm. i just haven't had the balls to do it i love it you know Fair play. Yeah. Um, so you know, you've now events that are like public that people can go to like in the next little while. And um, no, I kind of signed, I haven't been fully agreed. I kind of signed up to one in Donegal in June in Letterkenny. Awesome. But other than that, no, not yet. But they're mostly, I'll announce it, I'll announce one if there is, but yeah, they're yeah. mostly private groups. So I, I just say to people, look, I'll come and talk to the group, but I'm not advertising it. I don't want to have anything to do. Mm. I don't want to have anything to do with getting people to go yeah, or, yeah. you know, advertising it and all that sort of thing. So there's none that are lined up right now that are public. Cool. Yeah. Um, but but that's also, stuff. so hopefully they'll pay and come and see me at the end of the summer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you give them a little taste for us, you know what I mean? It's that's a sales <laughs> funnel. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anyone's listening, you know, I'm sure it's a great fucking talk. I'm sure the, the whoever will get a great... Uh, yeah. It's, I'm kind of sorry from. about that too because I, I'm going to try and video the mm. early talks because I've no doubt that there's going to be a lot of cringe moments in yeah, it, a lot yeah. of really embarrassing things <laughs> will be said and I'll, I'll be visibly, visibly embarrassed and I've no doubt that's going to happen. So it's not that I don't want people to see that, but I also want to take away the added pressure of, you know, knowing who's in the audience yeah. or what they're expecting. I want to just go out and focus on giving the talks, becoming really good at that yeah. and then taking it from there and then start to obviously, hopefully charge for my services next year. Yeah, I love it. You know? um, I might be able to help with corporate link up maybe somehow. Yeah. And um, so we'll talk about that. But uh, that'd be great because I think it's it's purpose fit for for corporate environments as well. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, and that definitely what I want to get into. Yeah. When I felt I needed to get to that standard where I feel confident in the way, and I've no doubt I'll be good at this. You mm. know, but I also am very aware that I need to go out and practice it. Yeah. In person and to to become good at it, you mm. know to master it. There's a lot of people have been saying recently that you don't need to be practicing, you don't just do it the way you do it. But I don't think they understand what goes into an actual hour long talk oh, presentation. Totally, yeah. It's a proper story where mm. every part of it needs to fit properly. And then it also comes down to how comfortable I feel, yeah. you know, about my physical presence on stage, my yeah. mannerisms, all this sort of thing. I don't want to be going into it a ball of nerves because then nobody's going to get out of it what they wanted to get out of it. Yeah. You know, so this is kind of the way that I feel like I, I can ease my way into it. Mm. And I've no excuses too, right? Because yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm not charging for the talks. They're going to be free for most of this year. So yeah. I've no excuses for actually going out and doing it now. Yeah. Especially now that I told you and your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's gas because people think, you know, like say comedians, like I can't remember what comedian it was we was talking. People think like comedians go up and like to, to do a good comedy show is like, it's an act that you've rehearsed a thousand times, but making people feel like it's the first time you've yeah, done it, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I actually didn't used to realise that comedians were like doing the same material over yeah, and over yeah, again, do you know yeah. what I mean? And like you learn what parts work and what parts don't work and a bit that you think might be great actually doesn't go down so well. And right. the same is true for any type of talk like in that you've got to, you've got to like work it out, you know, yeah. in front of a crowd. Like that's really the only way to make it smooth and make it good it's true you know? and the the facilitator of a i've been doing a course over marine over there mm. the last few weeks and the facilitators are really like she's a professional speaker she trains speakers cool. and that's one of her biggest points is she, she she's been telling me that look 
you have to understand that practice is everything. Mm. You go home, you talk to the wall, you go home, you talk to your dog, you go home, you talk to the bathroom mirror, you talk yeah. to whoever listened to you, your friend, your nanny, your brother, or sister, it doesn't matter. You just keep rehearsing it and keep talking about it until it's ingrained in your head. Right. And that's what the best speakers do. You know, so like you were yeah. just saying, they don't just go out there and it, yeah. it just magically unfolds in the way that they hope it does. <laughs> it's all been strategized to the point. And obviously you want it to, it, it's not that you're manipulating the audience, of course, or no. that you're going out and not telling the truth. You are, but to get up and talk on a stage like that, mm. it, it does take preparation. Right? Totally. And it's like you said, it's one of the biggest fears that we have as humans is like standing yeah. up in front of a crowd. I didn't know it was number two. Oh, your, some, well, mate, don't quote me on that now, but it's up there. Well, I've never there. even heard it has been up there. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's it definitely in the top 10 of like biggest fears that people have is like standing up in front of a crowd and talking for sure. Right. Well, I feel better about being afraid to do oh, it. Yeah. Well, look, it makes sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you stand up in front of a crowd, you're like completely exposed, completely vulnerable. Yeah, everybody is listening to you, watching every single movement that you make. Like it's it's high pressure stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's you know one thing just on that note that I learned from my trips as well. That will actually one thing that has stand to me with the talks is that I actually don't care about what I talk about. Like I'm not afraid to talk about, let's say, taboo subjects. Yeah. Um, you know, when I first started doing these trips, I talked a lot about depression. That was in 2013. Yeah. At a time when no one was talking about that in Ireland, let's yeah. say. But the year after that, it became kind of uh, like a trend. I don't yeah. want to say trend, but you know what I mean? It, kind of more it was in the, the celebrities were starting to talk about yeah. it. But I was talking about it out of desperation. And that, that really helped me because the more I talked openly about how I felt and my problems mm. that, that I was having at the time, the more I realized that people, not only did they not give a shit about it, you know, about what I was saying, they were actually going to support me, if mm. anything. And that's the way I feel about everything I totally. talk about now. As long as it comes from the heart and as long as it's true, people don't want to criticise you for that. They'll respect you for whatever it is. And that's the way it should be. But I think most people have this story, like we were saying earlier on, their head that, oh, I can't say this or that because they're going to think this about me or they'll reject me or they'll, they'll think yeah. I'm an idiot or I'll look silly or I'll sound weak. But whereas, they'll see me. They'll see the real me, you know, like right. in my vulnerability, right. you know, and they'll whereas, all hate me. You know, that's the fear. Exactly. Yeah. And ironically, the biggest power in life is actually saying the things because, the, you know, talking about your vulnerabilities, yeah. talking about your weaknesses, talking about rejection, that's actual power. And people respect that. They respond mm. to it. They appreciate it because it's the truth. You know, and it's transparent. You're not pretending to be anything you're, yeah. you, you know, you're trying to be, so. 100%, yeah. Yeah, that's something I've been trying to, uh, to move towards more and more is like that expression of your true self. Because yeah. there's a thing with like, um, some psychologists, uh, we create shells for ourselves, you know? Mm -hmm. So we create these like shell personalities for ourselves. Yeah. And the idea is that like, even if somebody even if you're you're a fake, you're expressing a, a fake version of yourself, right? And the idea is that, like, even if people hate that, even if people hate you, yeah, that's not the real you, you know, because what they're really hating is like a shell, yeah, of who you really are, right? But to truly expose yourself and to be rejected or to be hated is like so overwhelmingly horrible. The the thought of it, you know. Yeah. But in reality... The, it, so it's better to have the shell than to experience the rejection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And it's a defense mechanism, you know, or it's a protective mechanism. It, it's like when, uh, you know, a child is misbehaving. Yeah. He's, uh, 
or say a, a child is misbehaving he's misbehaving quite often because he feels lonely yeah and it's better to get in trouble and to experience the feeling of mm. you know negative feelings that come from being in trouble rather than to keep feeling lonely you know yeah. the feelings associated with loneliness like any attention is better than no attention exactly you know, that's like, like that. second child syndrome you know the second kid like if they're born close together like the first kid's getting all the attention and, and the right. second kid when they're young doesn't get quite so much and then they end up being naughty or bold or doing things you know yeah, being yeah. a bit of a rogue like it's, exactly and it's all that, yeah. just wanting some kind of attention yeah yeah right yeah it's fascinating though but it, it is true though the whole vulnerability thing you mm. know that the shell you're talking about mm. the, everyone does it to an extent but yeah. it, you know beyond that shell there's no mm. reason to hide whatever it is in there because everyone's yeah. kind of the same everyone's hiding something yeah you know i love that message um like for me that was that was my big thing like if you if it was to look at my life and say what's the one thing that's fucking me over here mm. and it was my inability to be to allow myself to be vulnerable yeah um, or to express emotion because i felt that was weakness and yeah. you know that was all that was my thing like do you know mm. what i mean and, and going through the journey that i've gone through and realizing that like actually you connect much deeper with people you connect with people that are more aligned with with you yeah when you allow yourself to be seen you absolutely be vulnerable and you allow yourself to to yeah to be seen you know what i mean it, right really be seen like yeah it's you, fascinating because you also realize realize with that too is when you when you embrace vulnerability you know when you go and do stuff in spite of feeling vulnerable mm. you realize that's a much better feeling than not going ahead and doing it anyway yeah you know because otherwise you're just stood in the same place in the the same place where you're trying to get away from or to get out mm. of so you'll never go and have that experience so you're better off to go and feel vulnerable and have that experience than to, than to not have it yeah. I, I was just lucky with it jody in a way because i hit bottom quite early in my life it was quite early to be having an absolute breakdown you know i was yeah. 24 or 26 so i was quite young when that happened yeah. and that forced me out into the world but i went out into the world and started to embrace this vulnerability and do the things that i started doing because i was like you know what life can't get any worse now mm. i really messed it up to the point where everything is just crap so i might as well go and try something new and see if there's a better way of living living my life because this isn't working so i actually waited till i got to that breaking point but that's not necessary for mm. everyone you know you don't have you shouldn't have to wait until that breaking point to go out and start trying new things or to start feeling vulnerable you know yeah but i had that almost like a springboard where i was forced into the mm. the vulnerability you know and like what what was the catalyst for like on the trips like what was it the what allowed you to or what made you able to see that like you weren't being vulnerable or that you, that you needed to be vulnerable or was it just a case of like being in desperate situations where you had no choice but to be vulnerable or like was there a point was there a a, a wake-up point where you you realized all of this or did it just gradually happen over the course of the trip and then you know I th from thinking about it so often on the trips not just the first trip but yeah. I, I was always trying to get to the bottom of how do i find it so easy to do the hard things now yeah you know what what is it that allows me to do this and i eventually came out come out with that i was like that i'm not i'm not afraid to be vulnerable mm. you know i feel afraid i'm scared but i'm still going and doing these things yeah. so after the africa trip i was afraid to go and do all these other things you know i was afraid to move to canada for the year then i was mm. afraid to do hike the pacific crest trail but i reminded myself that you know what if you had to let this stop you from doing the africa trip 
you would have never had that magical year mm. and you would never have turned your life around. So I had to remind myself and be aware of the story that was in my head and say, look, you got to be willing to be vulnerable to go over. And I didn't say it in those exact words, but that yeah. was the, the, you know, that was basically mm. what was happening. I said, you got to go and do it anyway. Even though you're afraid, even though all these things mightn't work out, work out and you don't have it all figured out, you got to just push yourself into doing these things. So I've always been like that and I'm still like that. You know, like I say with the speaking this year, I'm not comfortable with it at all. Yeah. But I'm like, doesn't matter, go and do it. Yeah. So it, it wasn't that I just had this moment one day where I went, all right, it's all about being vulnerable. You know, <laughs> yeah. it didn't quite work out that way. It was because I kept thinking like, what is it that allows me to do it? Is it because I'm fearless? You know, and that's definitely not the case because yeah. I'm always afraid. <laughs> it's, it's the fact that, you know, in spite of the fear, mm. I'm still telling myself, just go and do it anyway and see what happens. Mm. Worry about what happens when it happens or if it happens. So Awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's an element of that of like, yeah, just constantly stepping into your fear because yeah. it's kind of black and white with fear. Like, it's like you either let, you either are controlled by your fears. Yeah. So you don't do the things that you're afraid of and then your world shrinks right slowly but surely yeah or you do things that make you afraid and your yeah. world expands and it's there's kind of no in between like it's yeah it's one or the other it's one or the so other like exactly. you, your fears control you or you push into them and, and keep that's pushing true it, and you actually brene brown is an excellent speaker if anyone that's listening go and watch her on uh, youtube or yeah, ted talks she's amazing yeah, and she, she talks is. about vulnerability a mm. lot too and uh, she says, you, you're either vulnerable or you're not. And vulnerability is the source of fear. It's the source of shame and everything that's wrong in your life. But vulnerability is also the source of creativity, the source of joy and the source of having fun. Mm. You can't have one or the other. You have to be vulnerable to experience everything in life. So it makes total sense when she breaks it down in, in her way. But it, 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 it's right, you know. You, yeah. you're, you're, you're going to put yourself out there. You're putting yourself at risk. But it's better to do that than to not do it at all. Because you know what, the flip side of that is nothing happens in your life. You know, you don't experience anything. And it, it does actually exist in every, like for me coming back to the, you know, everyday life now, yeah. it's very interesting for me because I'm not afraid to do the little things that I was terrified of in the past. You know, and um, how can I give you an example of this? So I started uh, going on dates since right. I came back to Dublin. Yeah. And it, it was very apparent to me straight away that I don't get nervous going on dates. Whereas I was so scared yeah. of going on a date in the past, like a first date, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was so scared about that. Whereas now I'm going out and I'm going like, what? this is fun. Like, that's cool. Like I'll get a bit nervous. Don't get me wrong. You'd be like, oh, what's going to happen here? But it's more exciting than anything yeah. else. Whereas I, I couldn't have done that yeah. in that way. In the you're past. not afraid you're going to be found out. Because like a first date is kind of like an interview, isn't it? Sometimes. A little bit. If you're like... Yeah, if you're afraid, like, I don't know, you can be, like, trying to project a different side of yourself. Right. You're just putting up your best show, you know what I mean, on yeah. a first date, like, and you maybe you're afraid that you're going to be exposed in some way or that's where the pressure comes from. Right. So you're saying you don't feel that so much anymore, you just go... Oh, well, definitely not, like, in the yeah. past, no. You, you still have the same questions in your head, especially mm. if, you, if you like them, for example. Yeah. But you'll still have those same questions, but it won't, it won't be paralyzing you like it did to me in the past you know past, yeah. definitely not but it's because of all those other experiences mm. right it's it's because like you know what just go and enjoy it because otherwise you're not or just go and do it anyway because you're not going to have the experience unless you're willing to feel vulnerable yes and you might as well enjoy it you know exactly. as much of it as you can and like you're not going to die 
yeah. like like being vulnerable like your feelings because it is a survival mechanism you. like it's like oh yeah. you know what's the ultimate fear is like death you know what i mean yeah or uh, rejection or rejection actually, yeah, yeah which is like a psychological death isn't it yeah it is <laughs> but uh like you're not gonna fucking die like you, like you know what i mean right you get up in front of a crowd and you bomb on your speech like it's not the end of the world right you wake up the it, next morning so, you're still alive so simple still, someone yeah. said to me a while ago is that it was a long time ago but they said to me like it, it makes it's so obvious and it's so simple but it's so important to remember is that your feelings can't kill you mm. you know no matter what's going on yeah. just remember that your feelings will never yeah. be able to kill you they say that to, when you're going through panic attacks you know it's like they're just feelings they can't kill you even though you feel like you're gonna fucking die right like you're gonna be fine like it's just feelings it's just emotions they're not gonna kill you yeah you know? but we can like, have you ever had a panic attack um no well i've had uh, my wife has had some like proper experience with that stuff yeah um so i'm like it's close to the bone i've had yeah i've had like i don't know if i could ever say i've had a full-blown like panic attack do you know what i mean right but um i'm more of a slow burner like i go through these like dark broody phases where just like something will slip me into a dark mood and right. it'll be like take me weeks to get back out of it you yeah. know what I mean like that that's more but um, no I don't I don't think I've had like proper when my wife explains to me what a panic attack feels like yeah like no I don't think I've ever like actually it's had very that, hard you know? to explain yeah. I find, yeah. I've only ever had one it was in Dundee mm. I had to get off the bus and leaned up against the wall and I was 25 I think and I had it, it was a prop, like I knew yeah. it the minute it hit, I was like, whoa, this is what it is. Yeah. And everything's, you know, you're paralyzed from knowing what to do or what to think. Yeah. But I just thought of that because I was borderline having another one then some years later when I was in an even worse position. Mm. And I, I went straight to a doctor and I'll never forget it. It was an Indian doctor. And I went in and sat down and I told him what had happened. And he just looked at me and he, he tapped me on the shoulder and he looked at me and he went, you're going to be okay. And I said, what? And he goes, I promise you you're going to be fine. You're going to get through this. And it was, no one could have said anything better to wow. me in that moment. That sorted my entire day out. And my entire, like that actually just flipped me from the point of, from the point of, you know, being on the brink of a panic attack to just actually saying to myself, oh man, everything is going to be all right. But I, I wasn't in a position to tell myself that. Yeah. But this doctor just knew and he just looked at me and told me, you're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. Wow. And, ju- and it just goes to show you like yeah. what you know how much words mean to another person when yeah. they're in that yeah. in that state you know even this the what seems like something simple and obvious to say just say it mm. anyway you know totally and like people that go through this stuff with with uh anxiety and, and panic attacks and stuff it's very hard because nobody understands and nobody gives it weight like it's like when you come home from a massive trip and everyone's just like oh, that is Derek who cares and you're like oh, i've just done this huge thing like when you're in that state of like having anxiety and panic attacks where you don't look really any different you know you just mm. you just acting a little bit strange you know and people don't understand because your leg isn't hanging off that it's actually quite fucking debilitating do you know what i mean right. like so it's not maybe given that maybe more so now but i feel like it, it hasn't been given enough uh, respect in a way and that like people going through this shit it's, right it's pretty hardcore. You mean like, in Ireland? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, well, that's a, from what I've experienced. You know what I mean? Now, like yeah. in the last couple of years, it's getting much more. Like people are so much more aware of it. And I think that's yeah. probably because so many people are suffering from from these uh, 
whatever disorder I don't like to call them disorders but yeah. you know are, are suffering from these related things related to mental like, health yeah, yeah like that it's it's so commonplace now that we've no choice but to give it it's full respect and, yeah you know for what it is yeah. Yeah, Ireland's quite strange for that I find and I look I, ha- I don't I haven't done any research on this so I'm just speaking off the top of my head but there was a time when uh, mental health started to become mainstream mm. but everyone was talking about it and you know celebrities were talking about it in Ireland which was a great thing because it was so, before that it was yeah. like you weren't even allowed to talk about it yeah, totally. and it was a big problem stigma yeah, yeah. huge stigma yeah, yeah. but I just I get the sense now that it's almost becoming uncool to talk about it now again. Yeah, yeah. You know, that it's like, oh, no, that trend has passed. Yeah. It's like, you know, oh, no, everyone's bored of talking mm. about mental health. And I'm like, well, that's fine, but there at least should be better support out there for people that are suffering with it. Because if you were to ask me mm. who's supporting mental health now, I actually don't know. I'd yeah. have to really go dig around for it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I just think there could be more, uh, well, it should be more, not transparent, what's the word? People should know where to look yeah. for help that need it. And they shouldn't, there shouldn't, I don't like this. As I said, it's just a, an instinct that I have that it seems to be uncool or, you know, people yeah. are not allowed to talk about it as much as they were. Mm. I don't think that's a good thing. No, no, I think we need to keep that uh, conversation open for sure. Because yeah, cause it wasn't, the, it shouldn't have been a trend. It's not entertainment. No, value. exactly. It's, yeah. a, it's something yeah. that's always going to be here. Exactly. Right? But this is how, like, media works isn't it you know it's like things are cool for a while and then like it's like on to the next thing like, they latch what, onto it. what's next like yeah. oh, it's the homelessness now it's like fucking this drives me mad like at christmas everyone's talking about homelessness right you know and like it's great that it gets that spotlight shone on it but mm. january 1st no one gives a shit about fucking homelessness again mm. it's like a, a christmas trend you know it's like everyone's out doing soup kitchens and and folding clothes and putting them in bags and yeah then come january 1st it's all forgotten about it's a big next problem year, too, you know and like that story it goes on all the time you know yeah um and it never stops and yeah like it's colder at christmas and stuff but i just feel like it's always like a, a hollow uh gesture you know right and um, i'm not shitting on anyone that does stuff for homelessness at christmas like, no of course not you just anything, i know just, what you're saying it's you, a it societal should be thing that you know you wish happened year round and wasn't just for yeah. a few months yeah. like it was like apollo house do you remember apollo house when yeah, they took the over occupation that occupation there what, what and that like it, it lasted up till christmas and then that was it you know yeah. it was just they still do a lot of work yeah. right for the homeless yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but the, the thing itself like the actual like when they occupied that that building, you know, yeah, it was a that was thing. huge at the time. I remember yeah, I was yeah. abroad, but I remember watching it. But um, yeah, this stuff, like mental health is not going away. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. like it's only probably going to get worse if we don't address it. You know, mm. um, and like people talking about it is how else? Because otherwise, it's invisible. No, it's not course, like people yeah. are going around with like. You can't spot someone who has a mental health issue or you can't spot someone who's having a hard day or just needs a hug or, or needs a, a talk, you know? Right. You, you can't see them. So it's kind of invisible in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So we do need to keep that conversation open and keep talking yeah, about totally, it. Yeah, you know I mean? totally. Totally so, agree with yeah, you there, yeah. yeah. And like, fucking everybody's been through <laughs> some kind of... Everybody, like everybody you talk to, I'm sure like the more you open up, the more you hear people like reflect that back to you. Yeah. Like, I think much, because, because I... I talk about that sort of thing every I never plan it you know mm. I, I really everything I talk about is off the top of the head in the videos but I'll end up talking about that sort of thing depending on how I'm feeling but because I do that a lot 
or often I get a lot of messages from people that are maybe not having such a great time or that mm. have experienced something similar in their own life. And there's a lot, you can just see a lot of people are hurting. You know, yeah. that's what I see in a lot of my messages, you know, and because it, you can tell from these messages too that it, it sounds like or seems like it's the first time they've opened up about it, mm. which just makes me feel terrible. Yeah. It's like, wow, why don't they have someone in their life that yeah. they feel like they can tell this? Absolutely. You know, yeah. and it's, it, it's always young males. Yeah. Not always, but most of them are young males. Mm. And that goes along with the statistics that we see in Ireland for you know what. Totally. You know, so it's, yeah. it's just sad to see that because, you it know, is. who's helping these people? Yeah. And I'm, I'm definitely not a guru. I don't even know what to say to them, you know. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. dish out advice, so I just try to reply in, in the best way I can. But, mm. man, like, you know, there should be someone else there for them, you know. Totally. And, like, yeah, that stigma with males, like, I, I've been through that myself, do you know what I mean? And just the whole rejection of fucking vulnerability like complete mm. and utter like rejection from the soul of it that it's just we're taught from such a young age like that it's it's just not something that you can you can do mm. you know and think as you grow older maybe and there's yeah. masculinity so well that yeah that's big, what I mean like grey yeah. area isn't it like, yeah yeah <laughs> what, what is, like what can you do what can't you do what is yeah you know? like from a masculinity point of view like of what our idea of what a like a a masculine is supposed to look like or what a male is supposed to look like mm. it's like you know it's warped now i think with this like, yeah it feels like there's no lines doesn't it you don't yeah, you don't know yeah. what it is or what it's mm. not yeah and i think like ultimately like it, we don't need to try and be masculine we don't need to like we don't need to work on it it's like whatever your expression of yourself is is naturally masculine if you're a male or it's naturally feminine if you're a female, right. you know, but getting in touch with like your own self is the important bit, you know? And right. Like, yeah, you're not less masculine because you're vulnerable, you know? No, definitely um, not. You're more, it's like you say, it's a fucking superpower. Like mm. if you can learn to spot, even for, if you think about it from a like combat point of view or from a like, you know, a warrior point of view or whatever, like male label you want to put on it, like knowing your own weaknesses, yeah is a strength you know because if you don't know your own weaknesses that's where you're going to get caught that's where you're going to get sidelines right and um, so yeah being aware of your own weaknesses like which is essentially really like knowing your vulnerabilities yeah that's know? a power too yeah, the, yeah like being aware of what you're not good at mm. you know it's a yeah. power it's a power in yeah. business too the the uh you know pat divley yeah went, went to see him a couple of weeks ago and the thing i was most impressed by was that he cried on stage Legend. toward the end not sobbing now but you could mm. see the tears and his voice was wavering and shaking and like that's why I went to see him mm. too I was hoping I'd see something like that it was that was for me a big show of masculinity he wasn't trying to do this but I was sitting there going that is so much power that mm. you can stand up there in front of 600 people and wow. he's a phenomenal speaker by the yeah. way everyone should go and see this guy but the, the fact that he was telling something so personal, it was about his father, I think, his relationship with his father, and he, his, the tears were coming and his voice was shaking. I was like, the fact that he can stand there and do that, that takes immense strength and vulnerability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's leaning into vulnerability entirely by doing that and just standing up there open and just letting it flow. Mm. So that, I was just so impressed by that. But, you know, it doesn't make him look weak, does it? No, not at no. all. Makes er, everyone in that room was just, I can yeah. guarantee everyone in that room had just so much admiration for that moment alone never mind the rest of his talk you know brilliant yeah yeah and it takes real courage like because you like your fears can manifest in any way so whatever your fear is 
like stepping into your fears like for a lot of blokes that's probably the likes of like crying being vulnerable yeah. talking about like emotional shit that you know that happened in your childhood or whatever that may be so right. yeah if you want like to be courageous and be like a warrior but you've got to step into those fears so whatever way your fears manifest themselves yeah it's like that uh the young quote you know the cave you least want to enter holds the treasure you seek the most yeah yeah and like for a lot of guys that's where it lies you know is in those like perceived weaknesses you know it's fascinating stuff. Well, one of my biggest weaknesses years ago like when i was living in ireland last would have been along the lines of um i played football i was the captain of a football team and I grew up in, in uh, Fairhouse in Tallis, so it was quite a normal area, but it was in a place where you kind of, like, you just always felt a little bit on edge, that mm. you had to be strong, you had to be a little bit, what would you call someone that's young, that's alpha? Yeah, but you didn't like, want to be picked on, you didn't want to yeah, be preyed yeah, yeah. on or bullied or anything like that. a bit and make sure you don't get victimised. Like, right, yeah, and, yeah. and because I was the captain of a football team as well, I felt like I had to be strong and mm. I had to be an alpha on the pitch when it came to playing the games, you know, so I had to always live up to that. But it was also fed into every other area in my life. So I would never be really, really open with my friends, for example, my mates, because that would have made me too vulnerable. I would have felt like, oh, they, they, they think I'm soft now or yeah. whatever. Whereas now, like say last month when I came home, I contacted a number of my best friends that I grew up with and I said, hey, listen, uh, I've come home now, but I just wanted to ask if you're going to be around more often, you know, not just to go to the pub, but I'd like to hang out with you during the week and spend yeah. more time together, <laughs> right? And like, I just knew that when they got the message, they'd be like, what the hell? Oh, he's finally cracked. Does he, does he want to go on a date with me? Like, you know? <laughs> but I would never have done that in the past. Yes. But this time I was like, you know what? I feel a bit silly saying this, but I want to create a mm. great social circle with, with my friends now. And I didn't have that before, but I've Love got it. to be, you know, yeah. I've got to be vulnerable yeah. and I've got to put myself out there. And this is not a weakness. This is me saying, look, we should all be closer. Yeah. And I want to have all of you around Maybe. me. So I don't care what you think about me for saying this to you. You Love know, it. if you don't like it, cool. But they all liked it, of course. Yeah, of you know? course. But, you know, it was something I wouldn't have done in the past because I, I had to be alpha and I felt it was soft or I'd, I'd, be, I'd look silly for saying something like yeah. that to them, you know. Yeah. And they all appreciated it. They were all like, Brilliant. yeah, definitely. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Because we often mask that fear then with like humour, you know? It's like that can be frustrating sometimes, like the male humour, you know, everything turns into a joke. Right. Because it's all about like, oh, yeah. you know, ah, fuck off you, I'll give you a slap. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, and ah. I think this one <coughs> went beyond that. So they knew that they couldn't joke about this. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, like, can't oh, make fuck. fun of this, you know? <laughs> Brilliant. But it was like that. I, the only thing is I, I couldn't convince one of them to come out to the cinema on Valentine's Day. So I accepted that one, but you know. Uh, brilliant. That's great. Yeah. It can be hard to uh, to change relationships, you know what I mean? Like if you're trying to, because you really care about these people, but you have like established ways of interacting with each other. Right. And then when you're trying to like mess with that and change it, like yeah. people can get like, oh, what's going on here? You know what I mean? It can be, it can be weird for people. Right. Yeah. And it's also, you know, that sort of thing. I feel like there's so many people out there that should be taking that line where, for example, what I'm talking about is I, I'm in a position now where I need to make new friends as well. Mm. Because a lot of my friends have families or kids and they're married and all that, whereas I don't. Mm. And I still want to have a better social life yeah. and more friends around me. But because I'm 37 now, yeah. you kind of almost feel like, oh, I'm too old to be making friends. What, what am yeah, I back yeah, to yeah. school now? But actually, it makes so much goddamn sense 
you know why shouldn't people be proactively going out there to make <clears throat> more friends if they Absolutely. want a better social life or they want to get into doing different things with different people you know yeah. but it, it took me a lot to kind of wrap my head around that and to come back and take steps towards doing it but yeah. you know the reason i'm saying all this is because that was something that i was always afraid of mm. you know where i felt like i'd be rejected or yeah you know i'd look silly or yeah know. i resonate very deeply with that like a similar journey myself of yeah you gotta keep growing like as you grow you change mm. and like the people that you you're all friends they're always going to be your friends because they have like a an old deeper part of you yeah but then as you develop and you're like you're not always going to be into the same things that your friends are into and you're going to yeah. find different interests and you're going to grow in different ways and right there's other people out there that are into that stuff you know as well yeah, and sometimes and like, they're on your path too, yeah, yeah yeah and like you know, i think yeah never 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 stop making new friends or meeting new people right you know like but you get lazy with that too right you, you become do, yeah. uh almost institutionalized where you're like you're just trudging along in life yeah. like you said earlier on and you know it, yeah. it's the same groundhog day you know you don't mm. really realize that nothing genuinely different is happening from day to day you yeah. know it's kind of the same old same old you have to actually step out of that and go right i'm gonna make things more interesting love so. it right brother i've talked enough of your time yeah hey <laughs> thanks very much no, for thank you letting so me much. come on i really enjoyed it right? um, hopefully i can get rid of the hair salon salon so that was Derek, what a hero. My own voice was really annoying me in that podcast for some reason, so sometimes your own, the sound of your own voice absolutely melts your head, and today it was one of those, so editing that was a painful experience for me, listening to me mumbling and talking absolute shit <laughs> but i hope you guys enjoyed it all derek's links are up there in the show notes again please share if you liked it and the little instagram story spotify share is always nice um look after each other stay safe baby stay safe